Hello again to the Safe Toddles podcast. I am Dr. Grace Ambrosakin, co-host with Calvin Crosby. Hey, 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 everybody. It's so good to see you, even though I can't see you. It's been a quite the new year. Um, exciting things happening. Interesting things happening. So I'm excited for about today's topic and what our interview today. So Grace, why don't you take it away? Yes, uh, today we have another wonderful visitor. Her name is Ann Byington. Hi, Ann. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, Happy New Year. (laughs) Well, Ann has agreed to participate in our month-long interview series with people who grew up blind or visually impaired. So that is really, we just appreciate so much, Ann, that you're willing to talk a little bit about some of your memories of your childhood and et cetera. So um, can you tell me uh, where you grew up? Uh, I grew up in a small town in north central Kansas called Beloit. Um, It's probably 3,000 people, a farming community. The, I guess you could call it, well, it's a small town, typical small town. Everybody knows everybody. I was related to a great many of the 3,000 people who lived there. And um, when I was, we lived in three houses on the same block when I was quite small. And I have memories of two of them. First house that I remember was a duplex. My mother and dad and her sister and husband and their, some of their children lived in it. The thing I remember, well, there's a couple things I remember about this house. We had a cellar outdoors, and it had one of those flat cellar doors on it that you don't see these much anymore because people have basements. But at that time, it was a flat cellar door. And apparently, uh, my relatives or my parents had a bad habit of leaving this door open. And I remember falling down those stairs a couple of times. Mm. And then... In the house that we moved into, which was just the next house down the block, we had, um, I don't think there were any, yeah, there were stairs in that house, but we had uh, a, it was, I remember my dad saying it's a jungle out there, and of course, I, I don't know if I'd seen the Wizard of Oz or what, but I kept thinking lions and tigers and bears, <laughs> and, and it wasn't, you know, blind kids shouldn't go out there. I was about three at the time. But I did finally learn to follow my way around the house, which had a brick, kind of low brick facing on it. And I could trail that around the house and get outside a little bit. And that house had a small fence in front of it with a gate in it. And uh, it didn't enclose anything. It just went across the front of the house. And uh, so that was fun to to trail along and, and that sort of thing. That I don't remember falling downstairs in that house, but because it was a two-story house and it, the bedrooms were upstairs. Can you kind of talk about kind of the smells and the feelings of that kind of helped you with your other um, understanding of the environment when you were a kid? Hmm. Don't recall relying on smells that much. We lived about two blocks from the train tracks, and I was deathly afraid of the trains Mm. because, to me, they sounded like they were about on the front porch. And I remember 
I remember uh, hiding or, you know, cowering from the train sounds. And my folks could never convince me that, you know, they were far away and I didn't need to worry about it. One thing that I do remember is we had a uh, we had a porch on the front of the house with a roof on it. My sister kept telling me that when she looked out the bedroom window upstairs, she could see the cat and the dog playing with each other in the yard. And I kept saying, well, you can't, you, you, there's a roof there. You can't see, you, you, how can you do that? And finally, my mother must have gotten tired of hearing me ask. Cause <laughs> she went upstairs and took the screen off of the window and we walked out on the porch roof. And she showed me that I could reach up to the top of the house roof and still be standing on the porch roof. Of course, I was scared to death. I didn't, I wouldn't venture out or anything with, even with her, her I wouldn't. And, um, I, re I remember jumping, or not jumping down the stairs. My dad would come home, and of course, the littler, I'm the second eldest of five children, and the first four of us were born within 36 months, because my brother was born in April, and I was born in November of that same year. Cause wow. I was wow. About a, they don't know really how old I was. I was at least three months premature, and possibly more than that, but... When dad would come home, the kids would see him coming, the littler kids, and we'd all hide in the stairway because he'd come in and hang up his coat on the inside of the stairway, which was enclosed. And I would never jump down into his arms like everybody else would. I was afraid to do that. I was a real chicken when I was little. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I didn't uh, venture out too much on my own. But I mean, I ventured out, but I didn't trust people to catch yeah. me. Yeah. Well, how long have you had a vision impairment? I was born, uh, I was in the hospital from November to May, and by the time I got out, my, my eyes didn't function. I had some light perception, still do. Uh -huh. And um, my mother figured out I was blind because she would get up at night to get me a bottle and turn the lights on, and I'd kept on crying, oh. and my older brother didn't. So she knew early on that I couldn't see very well. She didn't know what I could see, but. Uh, what year were you born? 1947. I was at the and beginning what, of, of the baby. The ROP? Yeah. Was it the, yeah, retinopathy of prematurity because yeah. you were yeah. premature. Interesting. And when did you personally realize you were visually impaired, different from your siblings? I, we had a piece of wallpaper in the kitchen that was loose, and I was quite intrigued with it. And my mother said, don't tear that off. Well, you know how kids are. They <laughs> tell you, don't do something. <laughs> I tore it off and she spanked me. And I thought, how did she know I did that? Yeah. And, you know, then I realized that she could see and I couldn't. There were a lot of things that my brothers and brother, brothers and sister taught me that my mother has told me, she said that I didn't swallow food. I would put it in the sides of my mouth, in my cheeks. And my older brother somehow taught me how to swallow. And that, to me, seems really odd. But I think that uh, y'all who have more education than I do probably know that preemies don't develop the reflex actions the way other children do. And I didn't learn to walk till I was about three. My dad made a harness for me that he could use to get me off the floor because floor was pretty safe. And I remember I could tell who people were by their shoes. 
And I like to play with shoes because they made interesting sounds on the floor. You know, you could tap them and, and they mm -hmm. sounded different. My mother said she got two kids out of diapers on the same day because my sister, who was exactly a year younger than I am, when she became potty trained, then I wanted to be too. So, ah, she. <laughs> And I knew what it meant, but I wasn't going to do it until I was motivated by my sister. So. Yeah. So, in, uh, so talk a little bit about more about this harness thing that your dad created for you. I don't know uh, much about it. The, uh, my mom just said he, and he, they would put me on their feet. You know how you do, you put your kid up, mm -hmm. put their feet on your feet, and then you walk with them. And I think probably that was as beneficial as anything because, you know, kinesthetically, there's some developmental things that I probably didn't uh, follow through on because I didn't walk early. And but I was so little, I had I had very little muscle tone either. My mother said I was like a floppy piece of string. She couldn't, you know, she couldn't. Well, I don't know. She didn't. That's all she said was I just had no muscle tone. It sounds to me in the stories that we've already heard and is two things. One is that you were quite aware of where you were, what your likes and dislikes, and the fact that you could name uh, being scared, like that there was a, a, a means to go someplace, but that you weren't going intentionally because of a fear. And right. so right. that it's not a disorientation that you had you knew where you were you knew where other people were <laughs> and that there was other places to go to but that you mobility wise were restricting yourself for safety reasons maybe my brother put me on the back of his tricycle which i loved because it had a bell on it anything that made noise or music <laughs> or whatever i was quite intrigued with and he he would put me on i would stand on the back of his tricycle and hang on to him and he would ride around the house or out in the house or wherever and that i like to do that that was a safe way to travel and it was fun yeah and um we had a wagon when i got a little older we lived on a uh, at first on a just on a city street that wasn't paved and these farm trucks would go by and they'd make a lot of noise they'd rattle you know because they'd have stuff in them and things so i used to fill up this wagon with toys and pull it around the house so it would rattle like the farm trucks did <laughs> that's awesome i i think it, it just hearing that like that makes it's like i i never knew like because i lost my vision at 19. um yeah and then so i i did but i've been hard of hearing all my life so, uh -huh. so it's cool to hear from your perspective like what it's like being born blind or visually impaired and just the navigation of just learning what the world is like through different techniques and like the cars and the sounds and like you creating and you starting developing your own, your own creativity for your own uh, perspective of the world. And I think that's really, um, the, the biggest exciting. advantage I had was I had a brother, older brother, a younger sister who's my twin practically and then i had another brother who is 11 months younger than she is and i'm i'm certain that i learned more from my brothers and sister in terms of navigating the world and understanding the world than my mother was too busy to teach me a lot of stuff she tried 
But mm. you know, when you got four kids under thirty months, it's right chaotic. <laughs> and um, <laughs> she did. The, and my dad was home a lot when we were little. He was a custom harvester. He well, first of all, he he <clears throat> was in the Philippine Islands and the uh, New Guinea area during the war. He went. He was. 35 years old when he was drafted. They got married in 1941 in November. And um, when he got back, he had malaria. And the first year he got back, I think was 40, uh, must have been 45. I don't know for sure. But anyway, they went custom harvesting and they had this old school bus that they'd taken the seats out of. And they slept in the bus. There were I don't know how many guys, but my cousin, my mom, my dad, and some other helpers, and they took their combines and this bus. They had a propane stove in the bus to cook on. This was way before RVs and all this stuff. And she, when they came back, then they started having babies. And he was home because he'd work in the summertime and then uh, do odd right. jobs and stuff like that in the winter. But he did a lot of custom harvesting in the summer. And then later on, as we were growing up, he bought the farm that he grew up on and worked on it until he developed uh, poisoning from some insecticide or herbicides that he used. Oh, gosh. And had to sell the farm in like 56 or 7. I don't know for sure when. but So we we didn't have the farm anymore. And it was a great place to be because they gardened and we I got to, I learned how to snap beans and pick beans and, you know, deal with the ground and growing stuff and we'd go out at night and he'd do his farming and we'd climb on the equipment and play and it was a good thing they had a good time i um before we wrap up because that's what kel will do trust me he's very <laughs> time master but i just have a couple of questions about um did you or when did you get any o&m instruction I was in junior high at the School for the Blind, and then I left there in February because my parents had, we'd had a house fire, and they moved a house in, and they had wanted me to start going to school at locally, but they had to wait because of the fire and all that stuff, and so after I got home, one of the, the rehab teacher worked with me a little bit. He taught me how to walk to school, which I never did independently because there was a highway and some other things involved. And my sister and I were in the same class. And um, Is that when you, did you get a cane at that point in yeah, junior high? I, yeah. Was I that did. your first cane? Mm-hmm. And what did you think? Uh, I didn't, I, it was okay, but I wasn't, it didn't, uh, I never traveled independently at home, even in, in high school and college, I did yeah. not do that ever. Yeah, it's been it's uh, a tough way to grow I, up. I think, you had learned the hard way about. I think boys do danger. that more than girls too. I think the guys were more willing to get out and explore, but I couldn't get a job. Yeah. I had no reason to leave home. Particularly, there was nothing to do. You know, the library was there, but I got books in braille and in the mail and. So I was a housekeeper. I stayed home and folded laundry and did dishes and had a limited amount of cooking and that kind of stuff. Well, I feel what you're saying because, I mean, to 
to understand your point of view is to say, you know, there was something that you could have done perhaps. And I just feel like I know you're an employed person, you're an active person, you have created a family life for yourself with your husband, and I don't even know all of the ins and outs of everything there, but you've created, you know, a great life for yourself. And so to look back on these times is, for me, more instructive, informative of current parents to say, um, you know, what Anne lived through was pretty tough you know to to remember being afraid to have no device to stop you from falling down or tripping over or running into things have no warning i, I didn't I, stairs were my biggest bugaboo before i went to school my parents had to take my older brother to salina kansas to, so he could enroll in the catholic school so i stayed at my aunt and uncle's house and they had two doors into their bathroom. One was from their bedroom and one was from the hallway or in the kitchen, I guess. And right next to it was their basement door, which, of course, I opened by mistake and I fell down their stairs. Mm. So, mm. And I slid down them, really. I had a really bad facial sore, oh. which I had to wait till it got healed till like they sent me off to school. So that was kind of a... Um, it was an interesting year, and um, I did a lot of crying when I went to school. I liked the kids. I missed. It was my residential, right? You had to yeah. sleep there. Yeah, yeah that's tough. Miles away from home. Yeah, and, big family, a close knit family, right. <laughs> two hundred miles away. Oh my goodness! So uh, it was that probably was worse than being blind at home because I couldn't. You know, the weekends, especially because some of the kids got to go home. Now everybody goes home on the weekends. They don't They don't even have a dormitory open on the weekends now. And there are many kids so, who, like you, was academically bright, could just as easily stay and go to your local school district. Well, and I did eventually. I went to the parochial school through my junior year of high school, and then I transferred to the public school. I think the message that's important to just get out and far as safe toddles is concerned is, um, you know, say unsafe mobility is you can live through it. You could survive it like, you know, anything else that is challenging. But who knows how much better life could have been potentially had you had just a little easier mobility information at your disposal what do you think uh, i'm certain that that's the case because i'm not a uh, i'm sort of a a risk taker as an adult or at least i used to be i don't hear very well anymore and i'm n not nearly as mobile plus i've retired my last guide dog and actually he's not with us anymore i'm gonna get another dog which is a retired or career change service dog and i've got to find out whether illegally or illegally i can take him with me places and uh not use him as a guide but allegedly i mean he can pick up things and that i drop and stuff like that and i'm a dog person and i want to have a dog with me so we're gonna have to work that out but even if i'd had a a dog earlier right something it been helpful right right yeah so there it is uh, just to be clear 
Anne Byington has a great life, has family, has friends, has a career, you know, has lived a full life. And there's no message in Safe Toddles that says that can't happen. All we're saying is if the tools are there to make life just a little nicer, that is going to maybe blossom even more children into a great life. The thing that it really meant would have meant to me is a lack of dependence on my sister, who uh, later, as we grew up, said, I thought you were faking being blind. And I said, why did you think that? I was thunderstruck. She got less attention from the relatives because she wasn't blind. Uh, when we went to college, she dropped out her first semester, second semester because she was 17 and she was uh, a little bit immature. And I know people have would have thought I would have been the one who struggled emotionally, but I didn't. She did. And even um, as adults, my brothers and sisters, various ones of them, went home to live with my folks for a variety of reasons, some financial, some just because it was more convenient. My husband and I never asked my folks for money or a place to be. It, it just didn't occur to us. It was like, mm-hmm. why would we do that? <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and I know if you said to somebody who doesn't know about blind people, which one of these kids would have been most likely to stay home and be dependent on their parents, they would have said me, and I wasn't. And I think that's what the awesome story is. Like, I think that's the cool thing is, as we build that strength and that ability, we can overcome. And I think that's the, like, with, like, safe toddles, is like building those confidence and that with the safe toddles, Dot King, that could get, give you more opportunities when you're younger, but as you become an adult, like, you thrived and overcome and took it by the horns and ran forward. Well, we don't even know what Anne so. could have become. That's my point. Like, look at, the, you know, there's really, truly, right? I mean, the, <laughs> my coach in junior high is like, you know, what do you run? I'm like, I don't know. She's like, well, probably you'd run faster if you quit smoking cigarettes. You know, like, <laughs> like what happens to us impacts us. And yeah. the fact that you've overcome all of these things does is, is certainly a song of survival. But I would love to say, you know, it doesn't always, you know, have to be so hard from now moving forward for little kids like Anne. I don't think I had a hard life. I, I mean, I know that from that perspective it was not easy but it was what it was it was just who you are who you are and that is absolutely fabulous so i do appreciate sort of trying to mine through some of these things and you know it's 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 not a simple matter in any case except to say that we're here now for the little ann's uh being born today who you know we could offer them a chance to run into the wall with a cane and not their face <laughs> to know the stair. You know, you might still fall down the stairs, but at least you'd know it before you did it. <laughs> we're not going to bubble wrap them, but we're certainly going to give them a little information. And I guess that's the concern I have. You look at all these ADA uh, created playgrounds and I'm going, what is this all about? <laughs> Yeah. You know, we at the school for the blind. We had a merry-go-round that was. It wasn't like the, the newer merry-go-rounds. It was a flat, a round, um, wooden structure about oh maybe 
two and a half or three feet tall with an, a, a ledge around the bottom edge of it. And then there were bars that went around, uh, went from the edge up over the, the structure to the middle. There was there were spokes like in a, a, of a circle. And we would push those bars around and run around the edge of this thing. Well, hell, you could get your feet caught underneath it. You could fall down. I never did, but you could. And when you got it going fast enough, you jumped up on the, the bench and let it go around. And we had a swing or a um, slipper slide with a pear tree on, uh, uh, right next to it. We'd climb up it and pull the pears off the trees and and slide down the slide. We had, and the, the gutsiest thing I ever did, though, we had this great big tall gym set. And my friend Patty said, let's jump off of the top of it. So we climbed up to the top and hung from the, the, the middle structure on the top and dropped. And I did it twice. The second time I didn't land quite as well, so I quit doing that. But... <laughs> You know, we took risks and chances just like other kids did. Yeah. Well, I think that was beautiful. I think the other thing that you brought up was the interesting question right before we wrap up here, but um, was your sister. And that is something that I think is a topic that I think we'll, we'll probably address down the road, is how are siblings affected by having blind uh, siblings? And how how does it impact them being seen, and how does it impact them in other ways? Because I know for my brother, it's been some challenging for him. Um, he's younger than I am, um, but I think this is something that I think is a really interesting topic you bring up as well. So, um, so thank you, Anne, for the time you've given us today. And we really, it's been fun hearing your stories. I think we can hear stories all day long. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and I can talk all day long. I mean, yeah. and in fact, I've started thinking about journaling some of this stuff for my nieces nice. and nephews and great nieces and nephews. Mm -hmm. Because they don't know anything about what it was like, even just from the perspective of mental health and because my mother had, she, my mother raised her brothers and sisters from the time she was 17 when her mother died. And so she not only did she have me and three other, four other kids, eventually, she had her other brothers and sisters to take care of, yeah. which impacted her mental health negatively. So, you know, there were, there were, there is mental illness in our family that they need to know about and they need to know what how she survived and she was a survivor i credit my mother with teaching me a lot about surviving i remember yeah. one thing she used to say to me because it'd make her mad because i was so shy she'd say you don't have to be lost or feel embarrassed you've got a mouth all you have to do is use it and it used to just irritate the hell out of me <laughs> i was pretty shy and i didn't want to do that yeah. but she was right yeah yeah. So um, that wraps us up for today. We're so thankful for um, for this awesome interview that we've been able to do. So if you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at info at safepoddles.org. If you want to find us on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the other social media platforms you want, search at Safe Toddles. So again, you guys have a great day and we'll catch up with you guys later. 